Good morning, Elevate. How are you this morning? I said it last week that great Mondays begin on Sundays. And the fact that you're here prioritising being in God's house, gathered with God's people, let me assure you is the best decision you've made today. And in fact, the best decision you've made all week. And uh, when we gather together, you know, just a fresh uh, word from God can change your situation, can change your destiny, can change the life of someone else based on what God nudges you to do. Getting recharged by, by just being able to worship Him. And uh, you can worship God anywhere, anytime, on your own, but there's something extra when we come together as a church to worship Him. And you can't replicate that in your car or your living room. So well done being here. And we're actually, this is week two of a series we launched last week called Overcomer. And uh, really the big idea is that Jesus overcame death. So think about that for a minute. Like that's a big deal. I mean, that's impressive. And in fact, he overcame the very thing, probably the only thing that you think can't be overcome. Like once you're dead, you're dead. And because he overcame death and because we put our faith in him and because that same power that raised him from the dead lives in us, if we're following Jesus, that gives us the access to overcoming power, whatever our situation. Now, I'm aware, by the way, that in any gathering of as Elevate, some of you, you're on the mountaintop right now and you're like, man, I overcome last week, I'm good this week. And uh, then others of you, you're like, man, I actually was on the mountaintop last week and now I'm finding myself in the valley and I need me some overcoming. That said, what I've found is most people are both on the mountaintop and in the valley at the same time, that within your life, there's something or things that are, you're crushing it. You're winning, you've got the T-shirt, you're posting it on socials, while in your own life, there's some other things that you need some overcoming. And I'm praying that from last week to this week, and we'll continue a third week of this series, that there's some things that, that God's gonna actually show you that He working in you and through you will overcome. Now, I'm a pretty big uh, podcast devotee. Uh, you will see me many times through the week with some earbuds in my ear and uh, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to podcasts when I'm at the gym. I'm listening to podcasts when I'm out running. I'm listening to podcasts uh, when I'm on my bike. Some people think that's a little bit dangerous, but I like to live on the edge. Uh, I, I'm not listening to podcasts when I'm doing my swim training. I'm listening to my coach screaming at me. Um, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. That, and one of the podcasts that actually just uh, launched uh, earlier this year is Lance Armstrong, the uh, infamous uh, cyclist Lance Armstrong. He launched a podcast called The Forward. Now, it's not a, a cycling podcast. It's got nothing to do with uh, cycling. In fact, the format is, is Lance getting somebody that's kind of in his world, in his orbit. He, he kind of crosses over to various spheres and he sits with them and just, and just talks like interview style, but dialogue conversation for an hour. 
And uh, he's actually a very good interviewer. It's, a, it's really well done. It might not be your, your speed. I'm not here. Uh, it's not a public service announcement for uh, Lance's podcast. This uh, message that I'm preaching today is not brought to you by Lance Armstrong's The Forward Podcast, but I like it. I listen to it. And this week, uh, his guest is a, a chap named Phil Coogan. Now, that name may not be familiar to many of you, Phil Coogan, but let me put a little photo of him up here. And uh, some of you may recognize the face. He's actually the host of the television show, The Amazing Race. And uh, just a little, uh, little sidebar, by the way, it's just in, in the middle of being produced its 30th season. That is epic in television world. And uh, he's still going. What you may not know about Phil Coogan is he's actually a Kiwi, born in New Zealand. And uh, when he was 19, sorry, when he was 18 years old, he was uh, training, he was doing some deep sea diving and they're actually, he was diving in a wreck off the coast of New Zealand. And uh, long story short, at a, at a point in the dive, he found himself trapped inside the, the, the shipwreck uh, on his own uh, with no sense of direction, no lighting, no idea of where he was, where the escape, you know, how he could get out of there. And uh, obviously he, he did get out, but he would say to you and, and, and describes it as, as, as essentially a near-death experience. And coming out of that situation aged 18 years old, at the age of 19, he wrote what he called his life list. That, that, that man, I, I stared death in the face and yes, I survived, but let me, let me put up together a life list. And he listed out at the age of 19, some of the things that he wanted to achieve motivated out of that near-death experience. That first of all, he wanted to go back into that sunken ship. He wanted to face his fears and confront that very fear. He wanted to dive the world's largest underwater cave, hand feed sharks. Okay, you're on your own there, buddy. Uh, climb Mount Everest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Number nine, set a world record for bungee jumping, which incidentally, he actually did do that. And uh, there's other things on the list. You can check it out. In fact, you can check it out on a website that he's created called No Opportunity Wasted. And really this branding that he's created, no opportunity wasted, is very reflective of his philosophy to life. That he wants to live the sort of life that doesn't just retreat into safe comfort, but rather continues to push the envelope and stretch and be challenged and ensure that he lives a life that there's no opportunity wasted. Well, Having ticked off a lot of his life lists, written aged 19, um, a couple of them didn't uh, get done because he had a daughter and he decided that maybe, you know, surviving and being a father would be more important than the little thing he put on the list aged 19. Well, he's now got a new list, aged 50 years young. Uh, he wrote a new life list and some of the items on his new life list is write the book, No Opportunity Wasted, produce the No Opportunity Wasted television series, make a difference in someone else's life, climb Mount Cook with my dad and so on and so forth. Down to number 11, put a golf ball across the entire country of Scotland, which incidentally he did. Um, and you can hear about him telling that on Lance's podcast. But what, as I just mentioned, what's, what's, what's a, a thread that's gone through most of both of those life lists, albeit that the second life list is a little bit more altruistic than the first, the first one a little bit more self-indulgent, is this thread of wanting to live beyond his comfort zone. Now, last week, 
when we launched this series, Overcomer, I talked about overcoming the curse of comparison. This, this, this thing of comparison, it's been a human condition for as long as there's been creation on our planet. However, our observation is that the, the um, curse of comparison is reaching epidemic proportions, fueled largely by social media and uh, unreality TV. And so if you missed that, you can go back and listen to that from last week. And I honestly, uh, we've already heard stories of, of, of God setting some people free from some things that they were struggling with and, and, and helping them overcome this curse of comparison last week. I love that. This week, I wanna talk about overcoming the comfort of apathy. If you pop open your Elevate app, if you've got that on your smart device, it'll tap the Bible tired, it'll take you uh, to a story that's actually one of the most, I would say, well-known stories, or at least the gist of it. It's one of the most well-known stories in, uh, in, in fact, in the entire Bible. Church people and, 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 and unchurched people alike would know at least sort of the basic concept of this because it's actually Jesus telling a story which we've now come to, to call the story of the Good Samaritan. This idea of the Good Samaritan has actually formed its way into our modern vernacular. Again, church world and unchurched church world alike. But it comes from Jesus uh, being confronted by a religious leader and, and this religious leader was trying to trip Jesus up, okay? Dumb move. Jesus is gonna outsmart you every time, but anyway, he decided he'll give it a shot. And Luke recorded this exchange that this religious leader had with Jesus. He said, just then a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Now that is the most important question you and I can ever ask. If you haven't asked it, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to ask it in 20 minutes time. But ask it not with the motive of testing Jesus, ask it with the motive of an open heart is Jesus, I actually wanna know the answer to this. I don't wanna, I'm not asking to trip you up. I'm asking to seek truth and seek freedom in my life. And Jesus answered, well, listen, buddy, you're a religious expert. What's written in God's law and, and how do you interpret it? Answering a question with a question. Well, the religious leader said, well, it's written that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and, uh, and that you love your neighbour as well as you do yourself. Well, good answer, said Jesus. Yeah, you do that and you'll live. Should have been the end of the conversation. Religious leader walks away and goes, yep, I already knew it. Now it's confirmed. I'll get about doing that. Well, that's not the approach he took. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and uh, just, um, how would you define neighbor? You know, I mean, surely I'm not meant to love everybody. So can we just kind of, you know, narrow the search a little? Kind of just put a few names on it, just maybe crop some people out. That'll, that'll be helpful. And Jesus answered by telling a story. Well, there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. And they took his clothes and beat him up and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, by the way, Jesus said luckily, very sarcastically. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. Remember Jesus is talking to a religious leader? But when he saw, when the, the priest saw the man, 
he angled across to the other side of the street. And then a Levi religious man showed up and he also avoided the injured man. Just a little sidebar, Jesus made the religious leaders the two losers, <laughs> telling a story to a religious man. Gotta love that bit of sass. He goes on to make a hero out of the so-called unlikely hero that we now call the Good Samaritan. But what Jesus has highlighted at this, just, just by telling this much of the story is two puzzling demonstrations of apathy. Jesus doesn't tell us why they crossed to the other side of the road or avoided them. They might've just been running late. You, you, you run late sometimes. I never run late. They might've just been running late and, and to have stopped would have put them off their schedule. Look, they, they might've been terrified to stop and help the guy because, it, because the same people that, that robbed this guy and stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead may have jumped them. We don't know. What we do know, however, in this story is if they did indeed, question, if they did indeed feel any level of compassion towards the man left half dead, for whatever reason, they didn't act on helping the man. The internet, which I love, I throw shade on it, but it's cool. It, there's a bright side to it. Social media, which I love, which is also a bright side, they also produce a dark side. And in the internet and social media have actually produced a phenomenon that's now been given a name called slacktivism. It's meant to intentionally rhyme with activism, slacktivism. And, 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 and have anyone heard that phrase before, slacktivism? Let me define it if you haven't. Slacktivism is the person that's uh, going on the internet or getting some stuff through their social media and something pops up, something about human trafficking happening in some part of the world or something about people starving in another part of the world or some injustice happening in another part of the world. And, and it finishes with click, like, and share if this bothers you and you go, oh, that bothers me. And of course, now if it's Facebook, you, you don't click like, because that was, was always weird. If it was something bad and you went like, so now you can click angry face or sad face or wow face um, and you can share it. And, and you think that you've done something. You, you think that you've changed the situation by liking, disliking, wowing, sad face, angry face and sharing when, when actually uh, it, may, it may nudge the level of awareness of that situation along a little, but it does very little to change it. And, and it's often fueled by the person just wanting to feel like they've acted in a compassionate way to something that's worthy of compassion. Slacktivism. Yep. Yep, I shared three bad news stories on social media today. Bloody great day. Changing the world one share at a time. And I get it. It's difficult to act in a compassionate way to everything that gets our attention. One reason is there's just so much stuff, so much information that comes across every single day. Whether you watch 
lamestream TV news, whether you read your news on an app, whether you listen to the radio, whether you, whatever it is, it's just the volume of information is overwhelming. Let me, let me give you a glimpse of this week. This week, there was a shooting in a Texas church, 20-something people killed. Growing wave of sexual abuse allegations in the entertainment industry. 26 teenage Nigerian girls were found dead in a dinghy off the coast of Italy, trying to flee from Africa and make it to the continent of Europe. A driver in Sydney accidentally crashed into a primary school and killed two eight-year-old boys. Statistics were just released that 1.25 million people in South Sudan are on the brink of starvation, a number which is double the same time last year. There were five things. I just pulled them up in my newsfeed. I didn't have to scroll very far. I stopped scrolling. I thought five, it makes the point. And you know some of these stories. It's challenging to, to act and demonstrate compassion when there's just so many things coming across our view. Even if we do feel compassion and wanna do something about it, another challenge is we often feel helpless to make an impact. Who am I and what could I do and where should I start? Because it's just me and I got limited abilities and, and I got limited resources. I got limited time. I got limited money. I'm in Perth. That happened over there. What can I possibly do about it? That's a barrier and I get that. Another barrier and the one that I wanna stomp all over today is the, is the fact that we like comfort. Comfort is a is, is becoming a God in our Western society. It is moving, it is skyrocketing up the list of lifetime achievements that we wanna have. I, I'd say that happiness is, is, on, a, is on increasingly uh, more and more people's number one in Western society as the goal. And I think comfort is really sneaking up and pushing its way to number two. And I'm not about comfort, I'm not, I'm not against comfort. There's a place for comfort. And in fact, comfort can be a blessing. Do you realize that sitting here, listening to me, you can open up your smartphone, you can order a pizza just by tapping an app and it will be delivered to you before I finish speaking. That's a blessing. Make sure you order enough for everyone, but it's a blessing. How cool is that? But there's a dark side to pursuing comfort and that is that comfort is a drug and the more we get of it, the more we want of it. And the more we have of it, the more life starts to center around us yeah. and what we need and what we don't have. And the injustices that come our way, oh, that person at work didn't look at me when I was standing at the photocopy, didn't say good morning, the injustice in the world. And the pursuit of comfort can spill over into many areas. In fact, I thought I'd run a little diagnostic this morning. For you to take, I'll call it out. You answer the questions yourself. I must warn you though, this might sting a little. You ready? A little diagnostic, just for you to maybe get a, a little, hmm, little glimpse of where comfort kind of rates on your list of hashtag goals. Here we go. When you were looking for a church, the box you wanted ticked above all others was that it meets your needs. 
By the way, I'm not gonna look at you with judgy eyes when I'm reading this diagnostic, all right? Just, just understand, this isn't me being judgy. This is not judgy, Mark. This is, this is Dr. Mark. This is, me, this is me just poking and prodding a little. And, you know, I'm not getting you to call your answers out or write them down or hand them in for marking. Just be honest. Diagnostic, question number two. Yes or no, true or false, I only pray prayers about the stuff I need. My prayers typically are about, God make my headaches go away and my bank balance go up. Diagnostic number three, I never give sacrificially. In fact, my financial goals are only about meeting my needs. Diagnostic question number four, I never serve. I really like the coffee here. I don't know how it magically appears, but I like that someone serves me with it. Diagnostic question number five, I have never or very rarely fast from something for someone else. <clears throat> it's getting hot in here. Number six, I make it my goal to avoid pain, challenge, and discomfort. Now, if as the result of that very simple six-question diagnostic tool, very gentle, very loving, very pastoral, six-question diagnostic tool, if you think, hmm, I have that disease, the good news is there is an antidote, and I'm going to Serve it to you now. Are you ready? See, two people say they're ready. They obviously failed that test. Hmm, all right, gotcha. First part of the antidote is consistently expose yourself to something that creates discomfort. Don't hole up in your comfort zone. And by the way, I'm not talking about breaking the bungee jumping record in this case. I'm talking about something that's gonna require you or at least hopefully maybe uh, evoke something in you and that's something that looks like compassion. Something that you, you see it, you expose yourself to it and you think, this is not good. This cannot stay this way. This, this, cannot, this cannot go unattended. Four years ago, uh, we, uh, so we do some work in partnership with an organisation called Compassion, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about them shortly. We do some work, we partner with Compassion in the Philippines, and uh, in, in a particular area, we partner with them with uh, what they call a mums and babies program, and it's working specifically with prenatal and postnatal mums and the kids prenatal and then through zero through five to, to, to actually reduce the mortality rate of those very same kids. And uh, we invest financially and, and, and give to them financially. But the question came up from a few of our peeps is, is, should we go there? Should we maybe send a little contingent over there? And uh, now I knew if we send a contingent that, that by sending that contingent, people would have to actually spend their own money. And so I'm thinking, well, could that money be better spent just, just donating it more money to Compassion rather than buying an air ticket and the, the on the ground uh, expenses and so on? Would we be getting in the way over there? You know, it's the everyday life. They're running the programs, they're doing with the kids and along comes this posse of Westerners. Um, so we, we talked with Compassion and we asked them the question, you know, if, 
if we, we would have send a team, would that be beneficial? And uh, Compassion came back and said, it would be enormously beneficial. Now I was asking the question, would it be beneficial to the, to the people in the Philippines? That's the question we were asking. And they said, yeah, yeah, it would be hugely beneficial to them. They get incredible affirmation by people actually coming and, and, and arriving on their doorstep. These people that would take their own time out, invest their own money to go all that way to, to, to visit them and, and encourage them and get to know them and put faces to names and pray for them and interact with them. And Compassion also said to us, you can't put, that, that it would be incredibly beneficial to go because you cannot put a monetary value on the difference it's gonna make in the lives of the people, your people, who go there. That your people will be irrevocably changed. That your people will come back and have a very different perspective on their world. That, that the sorts of things that used to rip their undies won't rip their undies anymore because they actually have seen the stuff that really matters, the stuff that really deserves us to get spun up about and, and wanna make a difference in. And so we sent a team over there. Uh, then we sent another team last year and we're planning another uh, trip for people next year. There's some information at our, our front desk. But in doing that, not only will we continue to make a difference and demonstrate active, not selective, compassion in the Philippines, but actually have the opportunity to change us and motivate us to do even more, to be different. And the second part of the antidote is focus on something. Because there's a long list, and I just read five examples from this week's news cycle. But don't let the fact that you can't do everything cause you to shrink back and do nothing. Because those aren't the only two choices here. Do everything, can't do that, so I'll do nothing because I feel overwhelmed. No, focus on something. And here's some of the usual suspects. And it actually is probably gonna be different for different people because God's wired us all differently. So here's some of the usual suspects. And one of these things, hopefully, hopefully, will push your buttons in such a way that from here, this morning, today, what's the date? November 12th? I should know that because it's three days before my birthday, which is Wednesday, in case you're wondering. Where I'm nearly halfway, 49 years young, PDB, nearly halfway. Haven't got one foot in the grave. Say that to me, I'll kick you right in the balls. The usual suspects, refugees, growing issue in our world. We see that all day, every day on the news cycles. But that might actually push your buttons. That might actually stir you in a way that doesn't stir someone else and that doesn't make them worse than you and it doesn't make you better than them. It makes you different and God's wired you in a way. Could be the refugee crisis and there could be something that God's calling you to focus on to make a difference in the growing crisis around refugees. It could be getting clean water. Some of you come from countries where you know that that is just a real issue and it blows your mind. You know, people in countries where they don't have clean drinking water, it blows their mind that we would waste water flushing poo down the toilet. 
right? That's literally how pragmatic things are for people in large parts of the, of the developing world. And, and, and hearing that or knowing that, that might rip your undies in a way that causes you to want to, and, and to need to act on that, clean drinking water, human trafficking. There are more people living in forced slavery today than there have ever been in the course of human history across our planet. Did you know that? And, 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 and it's an epidemic. And there are things that we can do about it. Now we can't all do everything. There's, there's far more than any one of us can do, but, but if that's the thing that God's poking you and stirring you and nudging you, focus on that. You can't do everything, but you can do something. Disaster relief. Well, that's a, that's a moving target because that's something new every day somewhere in the world and some of them we hear about it, some of them we don't even hear about it because it's just like, how can you put another thing through the news cycle? It could be fostering or adopting. That might be the thing that, 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 that um, spins your propeller. I, I listened to a, an interview with an American girl, American lady girl, uh, who 10 years ago went to Uganda for a one year, one year deployment with a Christian aid organization. 10 years later, she's still there. And early in her time there, she adopted, listen to this, she adopted 14 kids in one go. Because God told her to do it and that's what she did. And put them through school because a lot of the kids where she was basically couldn't afford to be put through school. School costs money in Uganda. That's, that was her thing fostering and adopting and the benefits she could put on. It could be medical research through various things and terminal illnesses and so on. It could be something as, as, as in close proximity as investing into high schoolers and God's nudging you to join our youth team and be here Friday nights and investing into high schoolers because you see a great opportunity to, 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 to share about Jesus and invest into kids in the age of high school. Could be providing education. That could be something that, God's nudging you. It could be working with things or investing in things or giving your money and time to helping people get free from addictions. Whatever it is, rather than saying, mm, someone should do something about that, God calls us to say, I'm gonna do something about that. I can't do everything about that, but I can do something about that. And I'm gonna make it my quest when I get out in my car and on my way, I'm gonna make it my quest to find out using my limited time, limited financial resources, being in Perth, how much can I do to make some impact on that thing? And I'm gonna focus on that with my time and my energy and my financial resources. And the good thing is you don't actually have to start something. There are so many great organizations that already exist that you can actually identify and you can actually partner with and make an impact within that partnership rather than feel overwhelmed, where do I start? They've already started in many cases. There's already things going, there's already movement, there's already action, there's already, there's already impact being made and you can add yourself to that. That's exactly our approach for Elevate Global. Elevate Global, we looked for some experts. <laughs> We're not the experts when it comes to reducing child mortality in developing worlds. We're not the experts. So we went looking for experts 
and we found compassion. Compassion are experts and work with local people, local churches, teams on the ground in these various developing areas to help reduce child mortality. And we partnered with them. We didn't start it, we partnered with them and we continue to partner with them. We found a second partner and we only have two partners. We're focused. The other partner is Opportunity International Australia. Jared's gonna tell you a little bit more about them and one of the many great stories that trickles through uh, in a moment, uh, Jared's gonna share that with you, but they provide microfinance to women, by the way, in developing countries. Those women invest that into their own small business idea and grow that business, pay the loan back, often then take another loan and expand their business. And they use the, the money to employ other people in their village, in their home, in their area, put their kids through education, give their kids access to medical uh, attention when they need it. It's something so simple. And the loans are 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and a whopper is 200 bucks. And they pay the loans back and that money gets recycled and loaned to other people or, or loaned again to these, these people. And we do that also in the Philippines. So we got super focused. We picked one area. I love Africa. I love South America. I love Europe. I love Asia. I love, even in Australia, there is so many things. We, we chose one. And... Uh, it's the Philippines, and it's not only the Philippines, it's one area within the Philippines, an area on an island called Masbati. And we've, we've decided that we can't do everything, or we could make a little difference in a lot of places, or we could commit to making a significant difference in one place. And I'm putting that out there as one idea. That might not be your thing, by the way. I get it. I'm not gonna force people to stand here under you know, threat of guns to sign up for Elevate Global. It could be something else, but here's the deal. God's word to you today is if you are not giving sacrificially time, prayer, and finances, there is an opportunity. There are multiple opportunities. Elevate Global is one of them. It's what Louis and I do. Louis and I give our first 10% of what we earn into Elevate Church, so we're building a growing church here. And as we continue to grow, we can make a greater impact beyond our four walls. So we give our first 10% here to elevate. We give above our 10% to both building the future. I'm not gonna spend time on that this morning. And to elevate global. Working and partnering with these two organizations, Compassion and Opportunity in the Philippines. Now, if that's news to you, we've got a brochure at our front desk all about, well not all about, but with some salient points about Elevate Global, about our work with Compassion and our work with Opportunity International. Grab that and say, God, is this my thing? And if it is, I don't wanna be the religious leader who's gonna look for a loophole. I'm gonna go all in. And that's gonna look different for different people. Go all in, first 10%, Elevate Church. Beyond that, this could be the thing that God wants you to do to make a difference. And plus, and this isn't a commercial necessarily, but I wanna remind you or, or let you know if you didn't already know this, that we have a team scheduled or we, we're, we're looking to identify. We've got some people already committed to head to the Philippines next year, September-ish. Um, and, 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 and I guarantee you, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, PDB, if you, if you to go on that trip, you will never be the same. So I wanna leave you this morning with a, I'm dipping into my Catholic heritage, 
to finish this morning. It's a rare dip, but it's occasional dip. It's a little bit dippy, like the occasional dip. Here's my prayer for you, a Franciscan prayer. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world so that we can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. Amen. It's a good prayer, huh? You can Google that for yourself or screenshot that if you want. Let me ask one more question and then I'm gonna hand over to the Jared. I mentioned this earlier, just like the religious leader asked Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. In other words, make a decision. God, I wanna follow you. God, I wanna have a relationship with you. God, I wanna give you my attention. God, I wanna be in, in, in this close proximity. I want, I want you to know me and I wanna know you. If you've never asked that question or if you're asking that question now, can I strongly encourage you to answer, to be open to the answer? What must I do to in, inherit eternal life? Jesus would say, come follow me, that's the answer. Follow me with all your heart, your mind, your soul and your strength, follow me. And so I wanna give you an opportunity right now to say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. If you've never made that decision, if you've never said yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. You may never even ask that question. What must I do to have eternal life? We don't wanna let you leave this place without at least giving you the opportunity to answer that question, to say yes, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. So right now, if that's you, you've never said yes to following Jesus, just say yes this morning. Just put your hand up really to him. Say, Jesus, that's me this morning, I'm in. I'm in, I'm gonna follow you from today. And when I see your hand, put it down, we're good. I'll pray for you just standing up here.